Welcome back to License to Spiel. I'm Carl Wonders. And I'm Thad Haight. And today we're going to go away from the Bond series for the first time and talk about 1994's True Lies. Yes, because this movie is very clearly referencing Bond in many, many ways. Oh, I think especially like the first... 10, 15 minutes or so. Are oh, yeah. So like, like straight out of yeah. Bond. It even has the ski chases that yeah. I have commented on so often. And the, the tuxedo. Mm-hmm. Under the wetsuit. Yeah. Yeah, this movie, like I said, was 1994, uh, written and directed by James Cameron. This is, I would say, the height of James Cameron. This is James Cameron's best movie, I'm, and I will die on that hill. Oh, really? You think so? Okay. It's one of them. I will... It's one of my favorites of his. Okay, I, I guess I should say this is definitely my favorite James Cameron movie, and I also think it's his best, but I would definitely say it's my favorite of his movies. I Yeah, I would probably go between this one and The Abyss. The Abyss is also decent. This is back when James Cameron was known for making good films and not for being a douchebag. <laughs> uh, although he had a reputation. He had he had a pretty... Or, and for, you know, spending decades working on Avatar sequels. That nobody wants. <laughs> he wants them. Yeah, well, yeah. It's like Kevin McClory, and how many times are you going to remake Never Say Never Again? Yeah, James Cameron does more actual, <laughs> ha, ha, has more ability to actually do that's, it than Kevin McClory. That's very true. <laughs> and weirdly, this film was based on a, or it was a kind of a remake of a French film called La Totale that I really know nothing about other than if you read the IMDb description of it, it's essentially the same movie where there's a guy who is secretly a spy and his family has no idea. And I don't know if it's anything that you can find anywhere these days, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's kind of an American remake of a French film. Hmm. I did not know that. You said this is his best, you, his best or your favorite it, Cameron he's cer movie. Certainly my favorite. Okay. Yeah. So what is it that you like about it? Most of it, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> Yeah, I realized that was a dumb question as soon as I asked it. <laughs> I feel like it's peak Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, I love in the 90s when Schwarzenegger had sort of transcended just a regular action star and was now doing these comedies, mm -hmm. these action comedies. I, I think that, that was his best time period. Because I mean, you have this, and you also have Last Action Hero, yep. which I love. Mm -hmm. um, and just, I think... This movie works really well. Jamie Lee Curtis is really good in it. Yeah. Uh, there, everyone's great in this movie, uh, with the exception of a few slightly problematic things. Because, well, early nineties. Yeah. Uh, I think this movie holds up pretty well, mm -hmm. and I have probably seen this movie dozens of times. Yeah, uh, same here. And I agree with you about Arnold. I think this is the first movie, maybe Terminator Two, but definitely this movie where he actually shows acting chops. At times, mm -hmm. uh, he's not just being the big tough guy, indestructible, you know, which he does in this too, but he's actually vulnerable in spots in this movie. Yeah. I mean, he kind of did a little bit of that in um, Total Recall, but Total Recall was a lot more... Of, a tiny bit yeah. in Kindergarten Cop. Yes. Which, I now I can't remember if that before or after this one. Oh, I don't... Yeah, I don't remember. Um... I don't think I've, I think I've only seen that one once, but... Uh, Kindergarten Cop was 1990. Oh, okay, so, so was it was before this, yeah. And he really, he's really, un like, the only person I could even think that's comparable to Arnold these days is The Rock, and I don't even think he's mm -hmm. quite at the level, but he's kind of doing the same thing, 
or he's he clearly assumed the torch of Arnold Schwarzenegger when he went and yes. became a politician and then became old. Uh, <laughs> yeah, The Rock has definitely definitely has the same sort of role in our 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 popular culture today as Arnold did back yeah. then. But nobody really did it quite like Arnold or before or since. Um, one of my favorite things about Arnold uh, is that no one ever comments on the fact that he has an Austrian accent. It's just, no, oh, no, this is an American. It's fine. <laughs> he works for and, an American. And it works. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, you know, everyone is good in this. I, I always like to point out, and it's a low bar to be honest, but this is easily my favorite Tom Arnold thing. I <laughs> Like normally, yeah. What's your second favorite? Tom I couldn't Arnold tell thing? you because normally I can't stand the guy. Yeah, he does work for this particular character. He does, and I think he's actually quite funny in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how he pulled it off. Every every so often, you get like there are there is an act, there will be actors that I think are terrible mm-hmm. that I cannot stand their portrayal, but then they'll have that one instance that I like. Yeah. Uh, to bring it back to Star Trek, because I always have to, uh, Andy Dick uh-huh. in the Voyager episode message, message in a Bottle. It is the only Andy Dick role that I actually like. And he's so good in that. I know! <laughs> it, it's, it's, he, that's the perfect example to me of a, of an episode or something where I'm watching and I actually have to consciously forget that it's Andy Dick mm-hmm. for a few minutes and then I get over it and then I enjoy it. But every time he comes on, the first scene he's in, I'm like, oh, sh- it's Andy Dick. And then, it, oh, wait, he's, I like him in this. Uh, another example, uh, Danny McBride. I cannot stand Danny McBride, but I like him in uh, Tropic Thunder. Even though you saw him in Quantum of Solace. <laughs> I can't stand the guy, but I see him everywhere. Yeah, that guy looks like He Danny does look McBride. like Danny McBride, though. Yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we were saying, the very the, this opening scenario is so Bond derivative, and and I mean that in the best possible way too. Oh yeah, you could easily see this as the cold open of a Bond film. This might be my favorite part of the movie, maybe because it is obviously a Bond pastiche. Yeah, and I think that what James Cameron does really well in this movie is he he makes a parody, but also a well-done, serious film all at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, where he's making fun of these tropes and he's referencing these tropes and doing a pastiche of Bond and these other spy things. But he's doing it in a way that is... Um, it's it's not irre- or it's irreverent, but it's not making fun of in a bad way, so much like the Austin Powers films do, where it's not just a comedy that's played for laughs. It's There's serious stuff that goes on in this movie, too. Yeah. I, that's what I, like, this movie is an action comedy, but it's also, like, it's not, like, the, the story is not all that humorous. Like, maybe to tie it back again to Star Trek, because why not? Um, it's sort of like an, an analog to Galaxy Quest, in a way, for me, mm-hmm. where you have to like, or it, it helps if you're a fan of this stuff. Yeah. And you'll get the jokes, or the in-references and things, but uh, it's treating it with lightness but also it's not it's it's taking it seriously and treating it with respect i guess at the same time yeah i would i would agree with that we'll we'll get to some problematic stuff that happens maybe in the middle of a film but uh <laughs> but yeah i mean like he 
he swim he cuts his way through this gate that's underwater for some reason because uh, it's a gate or a boat fence or something. Yeah, but why does it go that far down? I don't know. Because why not? I guess to keep people from swimming in. Yeah. Then you should have some sort of system that lets you know if they cut through the gate. Well, they find the hole in the ice later, but that's true. Yeah. Uh, but I like you know he has the tuxedo under underneath the wetsuit he. I like the little touch where he has the little cologne thing that he splashes on. Mm-hmm. I like how he just berates the waitstaff. <laughs> yes. Not yes. realizing that he just snuck in. Yeah. You making food for your dog? Get this out of here. Yeah, as he walks away, the, wait- the waiter's just like, dog? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I like later on, he when he's... After he goes up and sneaks around the office and the guy catches him and he says he has to take a major leak and it says in parenthesis, perfect Arabic, <laughs> which I always, I always laugh at that. Yeah, that, that's yeah. good too. And the, the scene where he's wandering through the party and he goes up to like the colonel guy and, you know, so nice to see you again. And the guy's like, who is that guy? You know, blending into the point where... Just... I love how they then reference that at the end of the movie yeah, too. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I, I, um, they show like... At- because you rarely see this. Mm-hmm. They show an actual real computer operating system here. Oh, yeah, the Arabic Windows 3.1. Yes. <laughs> so, fun fact. Windows 3, 3.1 uh, is always shown with that, with the blue menu, blue menu bar and the white background. Yep. Do you know it doesn't actually have a white background? <laughs> it's just the majority of computers at the time... Only, or rather, the majority of video cards at the time only output sixteen colors. Mm-hmm. If you had a video card that did two hundred fifty-six colors, the background was pale yellow. Ah, but this is the EGA version of the screen, I guess. Well, no, 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 it's still VGA. Okay. Because uh, <laughs> VGA is the is the resolution as much as anything else. Mm-hmm. But yes, VGA. It is VGA. Uh, sixteen colors. 16-color VGA as opposed to 256. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, it's just a fascinating thing. Because, like, I know my fa- my family's computer that ran Windows 3.1, we didn't see that, the yellow background. Uh, <laughs> and almost no one did. But I just find it so amusing that, like, the program manager in Windows 3.1 had a yellow background by default, but, like, the vast majority of users never saw it. Yeah, I don't... I honestly don't remember. It's... Because we that was the first PC, like, x86 computer we had, um, mm-hmm. and that ran Windows 3.1.1. But maybe that was different. Maybe 3.1.1 was different. I don't know. Yeah, my family's first computer at all was Windows 3.1. We didn't have the we didn't we didn't have a Commodore like no fancy people like I did. Well, I mean, by the time I mean I certainly wouldn't have used it anyway sure. because no no no. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been before my time, but no. Windows three point one was the first computer we we had. We got the the whole setup and with a dot matrix printer and everything. Well, see, we had you know we had the Commodore and then we had the PC XT that had a whopping twenty megabyte hard drive on it. So technically speaking, the PC XT is is an x eighty six computer. It's just oh, you're right. It just yeah, had like a like a eighty eighty six or a... it was an eight hundred eighty computer. Okay, so technically before it, X. It ran, it ran DOS. I mean, still x86 architecture, even if it was before the they started being 86. <laughs> but yes. <Yep. laughs> this week in you know, <laughs> Deprecated Technology Weekly. Uh... 
Did the did you have to turn the key, turn a key to turn turn on the XT? There was a key you could lock. It it you know like one of those ones in a filing cabinet, but mm-hmm. we never used it because my dad was afraid <laughs> it would get lost. That's fair. Like I always thought that was such a dumb thing. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> like I get it was it was a day, it was the days before you had logins to your computer. Right. So I suppose it was the only way you could keep someone from like getting into your files. Mm-hmm. But still, yeah. it had the key, and if you hit. Control Alt Plus, you would turbocharge the processor from four and a half megahertz to ten. Oh, dang! <laughs> now you're tripping. Yep, those were the days. Six hundred and forty k of RAM. Well, that ought to be enough for anybody. Mm-hmm. Actually, Steve Jobs never said that. No, he didn't. But <laughs> it's still funny to. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Okay. So back to this. Here uh, we see. Yes, we see an Arabic Windows three point one. Yep. This is when he gets caught by the guy and he does his perfect Arabic that doesn't fool the guy because he then calls it in. Yeah. We again, I think we get one of the most famous scenes in the movie when he does the tango mm-hmm. with uh, Tia Carrera here. It makes me laugh every time because it's just ludicrous. This day. Yes. My favorite is when he starts dancing and then the gar- the the security people come and then they turn and go the other way. <laughs> yes. That's pretty good. And of course, uh, Tom Arnold and uh, his buddy. Grant Hesloff are in the the van, kind of having fun with this too. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we don't have time for this. We don't have time to tango. You know, it takes two for that. Yeah. But yes, no, it's an excellent scene. Yep. Uh, and she gives him her card. Mm-hmm. She's an antiquities dealer. I'm sure that's not going to come up again. Oh, of course not. And then I almost said Bond. And then, <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh bother! What is his last name? <laughs> Harry Tasker task yeah. <laughs> i'm just gonna keep saying arnold yeah that's fine so then Ar- <laughs> arnold walks out because his plan is just walk out the door but it doesn't work out so well yeah i i like um tom arnold's line where he's like all right twinkle toes what's your exit strategy i'm gonna walk right out of the front gate ballsy stupid but ballsy <laughs> <laughs> i do like how yes he had he had planted that bomb yep presumably for this exact reason mm-hmm. Here is my invitation. <laughs> and I and now we get a ski a yeah. ski scene. Yeah, like this is yeah, classic Bond here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are a few shots of obviously not Arnold in the scene too. Yes. You know, well that's also classic yeah, Bond. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder if he had an Arnold mask on. None of them look like Patrick Trofton, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do very, I do really like when he has Tom Arnold lean back so he can shoot the guys. Yeah, I mean, other than the fact that Tom Arnold would be deaf now, I think that's pretty oh, yeah. good. Also, why was his window open? Yeah, yeah, I don't. That's a good question. And then they have to go back, and he has like an envelope with Harry Tasker ID stuff in it because he's going back to the house, and mm-hmm. and he almost forgets his wedding ring, and he comes inside and cuddles with his wife. Mm-hmm. Gives his daughter the snow globe that she hates. Was this Elijah Dushku's first movie? It may be. I think she was 12. And I only know that because of other stuff that happened in this movie. Yeah, I read about Um, that too. Which I guess we can get to at some point. No, she was in a movie called... 1992 called That Night. Never heard of it. She was in the movie called This Boy's Life. Also never in heard 1993, of it. which was re- Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio, and then True Lies, so it was her third movie. How, 
Well, I guess Leonardo DiCaprio wasn't anything in 93. I'm like, how did I not know about that movie? No. But Robert De Niro was. Yeah. But I, I still never knew that. I've never heard of that movie either. Well, it took in $4 million at the box office, so that could be why. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I mean, obviously, like, I know Elijah, Elijah Dushku from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yep, and there's... Like, that was, like, yeah. where I first Oh, yeah, yeah, song. definitely. And, I mean, I guess that was a, as good a time as any, if there is a good time to say. Um, she accused the stunt coordinator of this movie of some various gross things. Uh, to the point where there's a there's some stunt work that she does at the end of the movie, and apparently she actually injured herself in the stunt, and it's been suggested that that was not necessarily accidental. Um, yeah, he, because that was right after he had been confronted correct. about this. So it's all very Ugh. gross, considering she was yeah. 12 years old at the time, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Gross. This is not a news story either, I should say. Um this is something that uh, I think it was one of the, when when all the Me Too stuff was happening. This is when that story really came out. But yeah, gross. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, I mean, here she is playing the daughter of you know, Arnold and Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the scene with the thir- with with you know Harry and his wife because he's she's asking all about like this conference he went to that obviously he didn't go to, and so you're finding out about you know, his cover and everything, and he's not really paying attention, because at one point she's talking about the plumber having to do stuff, and she said, oh, I'd sleep, I I said I'd, I'd, yeah. I said I'd sleep with him, and he knocked $100 off the bill, and all he says is, well, that was good thinking. Yeah, and he's not, he's clearly not saying it as a joke. No! He's, so, like, yeah, he wasn't listening at right, all. Right, exactly. So, now Tom Arnold comes in, and he, he uh, suspects that, uh, that the daughter has been stealing from him, mm-hmm. so he hangs up his jacket in the like why would he normally come in and hang up his jacket though like why has this happened at all? <laughs> i don't know <laughs> like i understand now that he suspects that she's stealing from him so that's why he did it but like right why does he normally come by for a few minutes and just leave his jacket lying yeah, around know. he must have but that yeah that makes no sense <laughs> yeah but anyway you know, it it lets us you know set up these uh these camera specs, which won't come in handy again. No, there's a lot of checkoff moments in this movie. Yes, I love the '80s tech or the the early '90s technology in this with these glasses and everything. But it, it mm-hmm. I mean, at the time, it was really cool that you had this camera and this cigarette pack and mm-hmm. yeah, that wouldn't work today because who leaves cigarette packs? Yeah, that's around? true. Well, who carries cash anymore? That too. <laughs> No, actually, I have cash in my wallet that has been there for a year Yeah, now. same here. Because, yeah. <laughs> and we follow uh, Harry and Gib through, you know, the elaborate security. They go through the computer thing and all mm-hmm. standard spy stuff with the, you know, they do the ID check and she has a gun under the desk and all this stuff. You find out they work for Omega Sector, the last line of defense, which is... <laughs> yeah, and their boss is Kevin Costner with an eye patch. That's Charlton Heston. That's what I meant. I don't know why I said Charlton <laughs> Yes, their boss is Charlton Heston with an eye patch. Yeah. Kevin Costner would have been weird, too. Yeah. But... <laughs> I mean, I made a note, like, why is Charlton Heston in this movie? <laughs> but then, you know, he actually... It's the perfect role for him. 
too at this point in his career. And yeah, I read somewhere that originally he was like the arch villain of the story, which would have been dumb. Yes. But I could also see Charlton Heston being hired with the promise of having a bigger part than what we see here, because he's only in, like, two scenes. Yeah, and I could see that being the sort of thing they would set up, that, like, it turns out, yeah, that he's actually the villain. Yeah, I could see them doing that, because that's, yeah. sort of, that's a trope. Mm-hmm. But I like, it's it's that old Hollywood way of speaking that he has, that, like, in the scene when they're doing the debrief... Jesus, Harry, you surely screwed the pooch last night, didn't you? you please tell me how I can see this as anything but a total disaster? Well, total is a strong word. Yeah, there, there are different degrees of totality. It's a scale, really, with a, a perfect mission on one end and then a, a total pooch screw on the other. And, you know, we're really yeah. more right in this You're new on Harry's team, aren't you? Yes. So what makes you think the slack I cut him in any way translates to you? The line is okay, but just the way he delivers it is... <laughs> it's very Charlton Heston. Uh, yes. and uh, Which I like. Grant Heslov, I should say, like he, he acts in some things, but he's more of a producer these days. He works with George Clooney a lot uh, mm-hmm. on... like I don't know if you saw Good Night and Good Luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, he produced that and i think he was involved in men who stare at goats which is a movie i like a lot and nobody else does but i like that <laughs> yeah movie. i thought it was good um i think he's good in this too yeah i think he's fine in yeah. this movie so yeah the just charlton heston is just odd yep. like and he's deliberately like chewing the scenery oh and it's when is charlton yeah. heston not chewed scenery <laughs> Fair. <laughs> <laughs> he was such a understated performance in planet of the apes oh yeah <laughs> ten commandments mm-hmm. yeah you know you barely acting at all yeah. so wouldn't yeah <laughs> just very natural you know <laughs> oh here's when uh, tom arnold and grant has left tango yes because <laughs> why not because why not it's it's the way grant has left throws his head back when they mm-hmm. do the return that just i i crack up every time one of these guys. It's pretty good. Yeah. So now he's going to see Tia Carrera. Yep. Who just happens to be in DC. That worked. Yeah, that was well. convenient considering she's based in her Rome. office is in Rome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's looking for like artwork for the lobby of his office building, and that's a nice piece. It, so it like messes with my mind that Tia Carrera is like actually like a evil archaeological smuggler person in this movie because like i know her best from relic hunter yes where she's literally the opposite (laughs) that was like her indiana jones knockoff wasn't it yes yeah i haven't seen that show in years Mm. same it's probably not available anywhere actually it probably doesn't hold up no i doubt it yeah i doubt it probably isn't available but i always get the feeling in this movie that she's not evil she's just greedy yeah, like, and she even says, like, that. I don't she's care like, about don't... these people. Like, I'm just getting paid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we get, here's when Art Malik shows up for the first time. Uh, well, the first time in this in, movie. In this movie. Oh, well, yes. He's reprising his role He's, from... From the Living Daylights. Yeah. Which, if you think about the timeline, that actually makes sense. It does. Because, uh, you know, in the Living Daylights in, what is it, 87, I think? He's I think a so, Mujahideen yeah. freedom fighter. <laughs> And here he is forming Crimson Jihad, and yeah, yeah no, that works perfectly. Yeah. 
Every time they say Crimson Jihad, I think Asian Dawn from uh, <laughs> Asian Die Hard. Dawn movie. I read about them in Time magazine. <laughs> <laughs> but I, for whatever reason, every time they say Crimson Jihad, I thought Asian Dawn. Asian Dawn. Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We also have the nice little scene where we see that the we see that the back at the home base they forward calls mm-hmm. to, you know keep up their cover which yep. is and we find we find out that he has he's coming home to his birthday party yeah. and he can't miss it Mm-mm. also his daughter is feeding the batter to the dog yeah well that's disgusting yeah like and she says that yeah, the, that's the mom it, says that, that yeah. is disgusting it is yeah <laughs> and i do like though um as they discover that the terrorists are tailing them that's the problem with terrorists they're really inconsiderate <laughs> when it comes to people's yes. schedules yeah i think james cameron in general writes really good one-liners like that and arnold schwarzenegger is just really good at delivering yeah. one-liners like i don't think he gets credit for that so- sort of thing like people are always you know the you know i'll be back and all that stuff which is whatever but so he has good comic timing. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Batman and Robin is a terrible movie. It is. I actually legitimately enjoy Arnold Schwarzenegger in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Just all of yeah. those terrible It's like, how many puns bad winter puns can we squeeze into They're one amazing. movie? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm I'm sure there's a supercut of them on e- on uh I said eBay. Ha- eBay. <laughs> I mean, if you want to buy one, sure, maybe, but <laughs> Yeah, it comes with like a DVD R. Yeah. <laughs> Divix. Oh jeez. <laughs> Hopefully not one of those view once and then the it and self-destructs. Then the self-destructs yeah. versions. <laughs> oh jeez. That was an interesting like, idea. That was a thing for like two months. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Arnold's luring these two guys into the mall in Georgetown. Um, this actually is in Georgetown that they actually filmed this in Georgetown. Oh, nice. Yeah. And he's whistling Edelweiss. Oh, yeah. Well, he's in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Yep. At first, I thought it was... Um... Oh, bother. Something else that starts out the exact same way as Edelweiss, which would be also a really weird thing to whistle, but I don't remember what it is now. <laughs> oh, I thought it was um, the Wyatt Earp theme. Oh, that would be weird. Because <laughs> it starts out the same. It's like, Wyatt Earp, Edelweiss. Ouch. It's the same, like... Okay. <laughs> I'm like, why is he whistling the Wyatt Earp theme? That's weird. And they're like, oh, no, it's Edelweiss. Okay. No. That's still kind of weird, but not as weird as the Wyatt Earp theme. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my no. mind goes strange places sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> All right, so this scene, like that tile, should not be nearly so noisy every time it gets shot. Okay, I don't think anyway. No, I wouldn't think so. But it's a nice little sound. I, I mean, it, it makes the it makes it you know, audially interesting. Yep. This scene just sort of encapsulates the tone of the movie for me, where you have this. Mm-hmm rather brutal fight scene with guys getting shot up and everything and then you have like that dude in the bathroom yeah and also there's the here cool off yeah he puts the yeah. in the urinal yes. and flushes it yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you got tom arnold running through traffic um because he lost the third guy who was art malik 
because he's going to come in with a machine gun in a minute here. Why well, I do like how you see that Harry makes his break for it and shows himself right before he knows that that old guy would have gotten shot. Yeah. So, like, that's a nice little thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and then he apologizes to the guys. Yeah. <laughs> that is my one of my favorite little touches is the way he apologizes throughout this and then when he's on the horse later when he's running through. Yes. The, the, he's like, excuse me, sorry, excuse me. Say something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I was hoping since he got his shirt cut that he was going to have to explain to his wife why his shirt was cut, mm-hmm. but that never comes up. No. There is a moment I like when he goes home, though, that ties back to this stuff. Um, like when she pats and squeezes his hand and he, like, winces. Because mm, yes. that was a nice little little touch that they thought of to add there. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right, so yeah, now he's chasing Art Malik who stole a motorcycle on a horse. Right. Rather, Arnold Schwarzenegger is chasing him on a horse. Uh, Art Malik did not steal a motorcycle on a horse. No, that no. Very Arnold impressive. is on a horse. <laughs> yes. I like when he radios back and he's like, yes. you know, My horse is getting my tired. My horse is getting tired. He's like, your horse? Your horse? <laughs> yeah. But you have complaints so, about the geography yeah, of DC. Yeah, so, you know, since I live in DC, this stuff, all this chase stuff actually was shot in DC. You know, he's running through this park on a horse, and he's saying... You know, he's he's coming out of Franklin, which is a park in D.C., and they're on K Street, which is one of the streets that goes east-west in the city. They're going, it sounds like they're going east in this chase, or, I'm sorry, they're going west in this chase. Mm-hmm. Um, Georgetown is very much west of where they are right now in this scene. Okay. Which is fine, I mean, they can fudge that. Um, but then they go into this hotel, and... I'm not going to get into the specifics because it's overly complicated. There are no buildings in D.C. that are higher than 10 stories. Right. Thereabouts. Because nothing can be taller than the Washington Monument. Well, it's more... There's something about how the building can only be as high as the street is wide. It's weird. It's very... It's... it's If you really... Okay, if, so I did not know that. I knew there yes. was a height restriction. I didn't know it was that bizarre. Yeah, so it's something called the Height of Buildings Act. And... What happened was they built this place called the Cairo Hotel, and it was really tall for the time, and people hated it because it made it, it was bigger than the other buildings, and they passed a law in the city that limited the height of the buildings, and it, and it somehow it's related to how wide the street is that the building is on, and I, I, I don't really understand all of how they calculate this stuff, but the bottom line is... The tallest buildings in D.C., other than the monuments, are pretty much top out at 9 to 10 stories. And this hotel is clearly 30 well, stories no tall. Be, but the streets aren't that wide. No. But it's it's not... So there's got to be... There's more math to it than just as tall as the street is wide. It's got to be like some sort of like right. percentage or something. No, and I looked it up and it's still... the. It didn't make a lot of sense, the description of it. but Because there are wide streets in dc but nine stories would be a very wide street Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) anyway yeah anyway but no it's all i'm saying is this hotel is not in dc (laughs) and in fact i know this dc is in la because if you ever saw the movie in the line of fire uh with clint east it's so clint eastwood is a secret service agent and john malkovich is trying to assassinate the president the climax of the movie takes place in this hotel Uh aha 
which is it's recognizable because of these glass elevators that they go up. In. I was just thinking this hotel is freaking enormous. It is, yeah, it's a huge hotel. I also like how the motorcycle just zooms past the musicians, but the horse plows right through them. Right. <laughs> but he apologizes. Yep. Sorry. Also, that man was not actually playing the saxophone. <laughs> Shocking. At least they didn't bring in stunt hands. <laughs> what, like John Luke Picard? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I have questions about the stunt here. Which one? Um, Art Malik jumping off the roof. Not possible. Going through the window, going across the building, landing in a swimming pool, and not dying. None of that is possible. <laughs> For one, he wouldn't have made it the whole way across the street. No. He would have like crashed in. He, yeah, the he he would have he wouldn't have made it that far at all. No. And regard, even if he had, he would not have survived that landing. And then Arnold decides to go after him with the horse, and... which is going to have less momentum and would never have made right. it. But what I love is, this is at the height of these types of action movies where you all there's a split second where you think that the horse is gonna do the jump, mm-hmm. because it's that kind of an action movie, and that's what people did in these kinds of action movies. And then of course the horse freaks out and stops, and <laughs> Arnold goes flying over the side. And <laughs> I love the way he yells at the horse. And what the hell were you thinking? I mean, I had the guy. And you let them get away. Look at them when I talk to you. What kind of a cop are you anyway? Like we could have caught him. <laughs> what were you thinking? What kind of cop are you anyway? Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I remember the first time I saw this, I'm like, there's no way they're going to make the horse jump. They're going to make the horse... Oh, he... okay, that's okay. All, or, all around great sequence, though. Because he comes in at a really steep angle into that pool, he, too. Yep. Like, ha- no. Yeah. None of this is possible. <laughs> Also, since I was complaining about DC, I'm going to say that if you look at the background on this hotel, suddenly now they're in Virginia. <laughs> because you can see the Washington Monument on the other side of the river. Yes, you can. Yeah. I mean, that that hotel could exist in Virginia, because there's no height, yeah. of, height of Buildings Act there. But... <laughs> but Georgetown's nope. in DC. Yep. I'll try to not complain about geography in DC anymore. So you figure the giant Marriott sign was the product placement? Oh, probably. Yeah. Although it might also... I mean, I'm sure that's a setup there, so that, yeah, that has to be product placement. Yeah, so then he does come home, and... He missed his party. Yep. We have we do have the scene with him wincing when she touches his hand, yep. which is good. Uh, here's where they... Now they're doing a second debrief on Salim Abu Aziz, who is, you know, Art Malik. I like... I like when Grant Hasloff says they call him the Sand Spider. And Charlton Heston says, why? And he's like, probably because it sounds scary. <laughs> this is impressive, gentlemen. It would be more impressive if you actually knew where he was. Yes. <laughs> and I think that's the last time we see Charlton yep, Heston. And that, the, thus, that's a wrap on Charlton Heston. Because <laughs> now we have to move into the subplot of the movie. Yes. Because Harry is going to go apologize to his wife because he bissed the party. And find out that she's sneaking out to meet a man. Yep. And we we have the we have the scene where Harry almost gets run over by a bus. Yep. And he thinks she's having an affair. And Gib tries out about four different reactions to the news. She still loves you. She just wants to bang this guy for a while. It's nothing serious. <laughs> Stop cheering me up. <laughs> yes. 
A line that I used to think was funny and now rubs me a little bit the wrong way is when he says, like, what kind of sick bitch takes the ice cube trays out of the freezer? Just because I don't I don't like the language so much, but... Um, also, the, why is that so weird? So what I read was that that's actually what happened during Tom Arnold and Roseanne's breakup. Oh, okay. So Tom Arnold told James Cameron that story. He thought it was funny, so he wrote it into the movie. Hmm, Okay. Like Roseanne took all the took everything out of the house, including the ice cube trays. I could see that. But now they're gonna go concentrate on work and find some terrorists, beat the crap out of him, get his mind off of this bad news that he got. Yeah, and we have the we have the scene at home where he's playing with his food. Well, she's playing with her food. Yeah, but he's also a little you know, bit. Yeah, like slamming down the mashed potatoes onto his plate. Yeah, yeah, and I like the. You know, a little parody here, where uh, or symmetry, I guess, mm-hmm. is the word, where where she's got this whole boring story that she's made up, just like he yep. had the whole boring story that he made up earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that comes back really well later. I think that you know these dual alternate things going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now we're 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 back at the office, and they're talk and. They're talking about wiretaps, and that gives Arnold the idea. Oh, yep. I can I can tap my wife and find out what's going on, which is a real thing. Which is why I posted a Wikipedia <laughs> article in our notes there. Yep, because it's it's an actual th- like this was a real scandal a few years ago at the NSA. Okay, that people were you know were actually uh, illicitly using wiretaps on and and follow and following their love interests and and none of them actually faced any legal action for it either hmm. in five cases they resigned in two cases they retired quote unquote retired the worst sanction handled out, handed out was a reduction in pay for two months okay for wiretapping your significant yeah. other interesting mm-hmm. huh. for you know committing a federal crime mm-hmm. yeah interesting Obviously, no one should actually do this in real life, but it is sort of amusing in the yep. movie. I like the shot where he's... And this is one of those things that only really works with someone like Arnold. Mm-hmm. Where he's reading the transcript, and then he just crushes it in his hand. Yes. Like, like that's something that you could do when you have Arnold doing this. I also appreciate the fact that it's printed on that like green and white striped paper that people had back in the 80s. With a dot matrix, dot matrix printer. printer, printer yeah. You can tell because it has little holes in the side. Yep. <laughs> and he gets the, you know, he puts the bug in, you know, Chekhov's bug in the handbag. I like how he makes Tom Arnold stand out in the rain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like, and it, to prove that we're in the early to mid 90s, we get a Sally Jesse Raphael reference. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that is. It was a talk show. Okay. That, uh,. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like the during the heydays of like the Ricky Lakes and those people. Because I do know who Ricky Lake okay. is. I've never heard of Sally Jesse uh, okay. Raphael. Yeah, <laughs> we get maybe the original uh, GPS map on, on their cars. <laughs> They're following her. Hey, it's better than the one in in uh, Goldfinger. Oh, the one that has every map ever. Yeah, yes. I guess so. <laughs> this is more realistic, at least. Yes. Um, I will again give the movie credit that actually is DC Chinatown. I was gonna say, yeah, it looks like with, DC with the the gate. <laughs> she goes to meet 
this guy. I love Bill Paxton in pretty much yeah. everything. He plays this so well, this smarmy guy with his stupid mustache and everything. <laughs> like, yeah, and the like, the, the hairsprayed comb over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I like when the busboy comes out of the back room and he pretends to like grab a gun out of his jacket. <laughs> All this stuff. Yeah. Oh, he he's laying it on thick yeah. for sure. He must have had a lot of fun doing this. Oh yeah. You know, he's he's pretending that all the stuff that they did the night before is his work. And they trail him back to this used car lot. Like, Gibbs, like, the guy's a used car salesman. Yeah, Gibbs just finds everything about this hilarious. I like the one earlier in the in the thing where he's like, I'm starting to like this guy. Well, you still gotta kill him, but... <laughs> <laughs> you gotta admit this is funny. If this was someone else, you'd be laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and then the binoculars shatter. Yes. <laughs> Which, again, is really something only Arnold... Yeah, that would like, only you work believe Arnold. that Arnold squeezed the binoculars enough for that to happen. Right. And now he's going to go and pose as a guy who might buy this Corvette that he's been going around in. And yeah. he gets Simon to open up a bit about his... Talk about his, his whole... Yeah. His whole shtick with the ladies. Uh-huh. And then he talks about this lady he's working on right now, and he talks about her body and how she looks great and then he drops the line uh an ass like a 10 year old boy yeah what is what yeah. the hell <laughs> and and as i'm for some reason i'd never put two and two together with that line until you pointed it out and i'm like wait what yeah what what is that supposed to mean i don't want to know what that's supposed to mean like i really hope it doesn't mean what like my mind thinks it means it yeah <laughs> But anyway, <sighs> it's just that line was just like, I, I don't think I had ever noticed that line before watching it this time either, mm-hmm. but it just jumped out at me. And I think that in a way is my only real beef with the movie is sometimes it goes a little over the line. Yeah. Especially in this part of the movie. I do like that we see Arnold imagining that he just punched him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That that was a good little bit of uh editing there or the just mm-hmm. the structure of that yeah so then we fast forward uh-huh and gib is trying to hide a page of <laughs> yeah he's... so he breaks the car window my turn to drive give me the page what are you talking about jump from page nine to page 11 where's page 10 it's got to be a typo give me the goddamn page Okay. He really has... He has some anger issues here. I mean, again, it's Arnold. Yeah. (laughs) But Gib also says, seek help, Harry. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and I I like how it goes back and, like, shows us the actual conversation Mm -hmm. and how Bill Paxton's playing with the... with the airsoft gun and... Yep. Yeah. So, this is... So, this is when things get real, because Harry calls in an entire raid. Yes. Out to this, uh, we get a James Cameron cameo here, of sorts. Um, they bring in a helicopter to follow them, and he's the guy on the radio that says, Um, oh yeah, she got her head in the guy's lap all right. Yahoo. Oh, I did not notice that. Yeah, that's James Cameron. Nice. <laughs> like, Gibbs responds, he's like, maybe she's sleepy. Yes! <laughs> so then, we come back to what is presumably 
Simon's actual house, mm-hmm. but he, you know, plays it off as his safe house. Yep. I like his plastic wine glasses. <laughs> and he apparently has actual tickets to Yeah, Paris, I want to know where though. he got those. <laughs> were, were flights super cheap in the 90s? They may have been, but I don't know about international. Yeah. Well, maybe he, you know, sold a big car and is like... Maybe. Fake. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, he, he's got this whole thing where he's he needs her to pretend to be his wife for a mission to Paris. Now, yeah, so like I've, I'm, I'm not the kind of person to do this sort of sleazy swindling behavior stuff, but I mean... Really? He, he, oh, okay. Well, I, I mean, I'm only saying that because, like, that's, he's going all out for this. Like, buying he's the He's putting buying a lot of tickets? effort into yeah. this stick. Yeah. I can honestly say I have never actually tried any sort of... Right. ...thing. Not even, like, I, I... I would be too afraid of, like, messing up my own story. I have never tried a story on a woman at all. Right. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Now that we've both we've both <laughs> shown that we are not as bad as Bill Paxton, uh, <laughs> low bar. But anyway, <laughs> yes. But I I do like that that she's like no no, no get off no, me. Yeah. Well, I think Jamie Lee Curtis is so good in this scene, making mm-hmm. it like being uncomfortable. Yes, and trying to look like somebody who's trying to get into this but can't. Yes, and I I really like how she kicks him away. Yep. that's yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. When she's and like, he no, says, no, no, if no, not for I... me, do it for your country. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and the way he says it too, yeah, like, he's like, so good at being pathetic. Do it for your country, and yeah. he looks so like earnest and pleading yeah. there. It's like, yeah. <laughs> so then they use a helicopter buzzsaw to cut yep. off the end of the trailer, <laughs> which they must have got from uh, the world is not enough. <laughs> I was just well, that hadn't happened yet. No, it's true. World is not enough. Got it from this. Yeah. <laughs> I like how she kicks Gib in the nuts, and like the whole rest of the scene is him like wandering around, clutching his cr- his crotch the whole time. Yes, and the one guy like clubs her clubs her over the head with his gun, and Harry punches him. Yes, that's good. Yeah, too. and here Simon is like, no, no, take her, not me, take her, take her, because <laughs> he's such an idiot. Yes, and now we have the interrogation room, right? Like, I think Jamie Lee Curtis in particular is really good in this scene. Yes. I hate the fact that Harry puts her through all this shit. I think what should have happened in this scene is when she almost breaks the window, she actually does break the window. And finds out it's him? Yeah. Yeah. And then we could have skipped all of that next scene. Which we don't need. Yeah. I mean, I like the scene with Simon on the dam wall or whatever it is. Yeah. But, I mean... I guess the only reason that you need to have that other stuff is so that they both get captured separately. Uh, so, yeah, so Simon gives you that briefcase, and he has, like, a passport and foreign money and everything yeah, in there. We're... Like, holy crap, man, you're really, really laying this on thick. Yeah, I mean, this is quite an investment to get this woman to sleep with you. Yeah. I mean, I will say that... Oh, no, I'm wrong. Okay, never mind, I take it back. Because I was about to say, you know, maybe this was pre-EU when you could get, like, thousand lira bills that are, like, worth ten cents a piece. But no, this is, the EU was formed in 93. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but did the euro happen right away? Maybe not. Maybe not. I think the euro was l- was later. Was later. 
Because, I mean, they could be... She, it could be like $20 worth of foreign currency in that briefcase. That's true. But yeah, I don't know where he got the passports and all that stuff from. Yeah, the Euro uh, was first introduced in 1999. Oh, okay. And, uh... It wasn't until 2002 that it fully replaced the currency. Stu- stupidly, I should have known that because I went to Germany and Austria in 1997 and they still had Deutschmarks and stuff like that. So Yeah, I have a bag of money from when my mother went on a trip with her Girl Scout troop to Europe in the late 90s mm-hmm. and like get, get, picked up a whole bunch of coins and ga- and that, from different countries and gave them to me and said they'd be worth something someday because they're about to get rid of them. Oh, wow. Maybe. They're still not worth anything. No. <laughs> but I ha- I still have the bag of money. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, back to... So, yeah, this... I mean, yeah, this definitely is... The, the whole interview scene is kind of creepy. Harry is definitely trying far too hard. Gib, meanwhile, just keeps wanting her to admit that sex with Harry isn't very good, and Harry gets annoyed, as he should. But I like I like Jamie Lee Curtis in the scene a lot. I think she does. Mm-hmm. she's really good here. Uh, and they eventually convince her to, to quote-unquote work for them as a way of not getting in trouble. Yeah. Which she agrees to. And, and then we see them take Simon out onto this ledge. Hey, Carlos! The game's over. Your career as an international terrorist has been well documented. No. Oh yeah! No, no, oh yeah! No, no, no! I, I sell cars. That's all. Come on, I'm not a terrorist. I'm actually a complete coward. If I ever saw a gun, I'd oh god, oh please don't, 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 don't kill me. I'm not a spy. I'm nothing. I'm naval land. Yeah, that's a good. Would a spy pee himself? <laughs> and they they like no <laughs> and they bring that back too yeah right <laughs> more good foley work and I, I like how <laughs> i my my best part my favorite part is, is like i don't know i've never seen your face and he rips off he's like no i didn't see it i didn't see it oh uh, is you still interested in that va- i know right he's still trying to close the deal on it <laughs> yeah it's so good yeah and they call uh, Doris, is her code name. Doris and Boris, yeah. Tell them to go to the hotel, dress sexy. I don't know if this dress was considered sexy in the 90s. Yeah, I wouldn't call it sexy today. No. I mean, after she rips half of it off, sure. Yeah. But also, like, when she rips half of it off, like, shouldn't it have, like, really ragged edges? Well, there are, like, strings. There are, but, like, her neckline is perfect. Yeah, I guess there are strings on her shoulders. And and there are those... I mean, it's that mesh material that probably was just sewn underneath the... All right, you know, material or something. I don't know. I, I'm i not much on sewing, so I don't... You, you probably sewed more than I have, actually. <laughs> so. I have sewn some things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so... And I... So I know that there's a lot of differing opinions about this scene and what it means and Mm -hmm. i hate this yeah i typically skip it to be honest all right so yeah i mean there's a lot of all sorts of problematic things about it also there's no freaking way his face is completely hidden like especially when you can see the shot of her from behind Mm -hmm. facing him there's light shining on her back yes 
It would that be... light would also shine on his face. Yep. <laughs> the best thing to come out of this scene was that meme where somebody photoshopped the Bernie Sanders thing in place of Harry Tasker. Yes. <laughs> I also really like when she beats him with the telephone. Yeah, as she should. Mm-hmm. Like, in what universe is this going to go over well? Yeah. Like, what is he thinking? I want you to dress, and I want you to pretend to be a prostitute for an arms dealer, and I'm going to, you know, I had this guy record all these lines on a Walkman, and, yeah. At least the guy that was recording it was like, this. these lines are terrible. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But, but then, yeah. you know, there, he finally confesses that it's him, but then... Only because she beat the crap yeah. out of him. <laughs> like, what, was he expecting her to know who he was when he started kissing her? I... Yeah. I mean, all this does is set up the scenario here where the the Crimson Jihad folks bust into the hotel. And I do like how both of them think the other that they're there for them and not the other. Yes, I like that. But there, right. are, there are many other ways you could have set up that scenario that didn't involve yeah. any of this. Yeah. Uh, but thankfully that scene is over now. Thankfully. We have the scene, we have, we're on the airplane where Harry is trying to deny that he knows her at all, but uh, she's not having it. Yep. And now we're in the Florida Keys. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they've been smuggling nukes inside antiquities. Yeah, this is the this is a very convoluted way of moving these weapons. Yes. Cuz I'm going to assume these are fakes or they're they drilled holes in them and then patched it up. Right. But either way, like considering the things are the size of, I don't know, a regular trunk, like I don't know. Yeah, and then later they hide another nuke inside concrete. Right. Because why not? Why not waste one? I have things about that too. Uh, well, please tell me you talk. You you complain about the fact that they wrapped it in an American flag first. No, actually, although <laughs> that's that's, that's dumb too. considering they cover it with concrete. Yeah, like there's no no one's ever going to see that flag. <laughs> I mean, because they're not even videotaping that part. I do like how the video camera runs out of battery. Oh yeah. And he's afraid to tell him. Yep. <laughs> Get another one, you moron. Yeah. So this was back in a time when electronics came with removable batteries. Yes. I like when, you know, they're trying... He They get the nuke out and they're trying to get Harry to say what it is. And he's like, this is an espresso machine. Yes. No, no, no. It's a snow cone maker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they, they destroy the tracking device. Yep. And now we're going to have a torture we're going to have an interrogation scene mm -hmm. to give Harry a truth serum. What is it for 10 points try to guess his specialty? Is it oral hygiene? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you get probably the most famous line in the movie though. When, oh yeah. She's like have you ever anybody? killed anyone? <laughs> yes, but they were all bad. Yes. I love that I line. I know. <laughs> I also like when she asks if he's going to die, and he goes into this very specific detail about how they're going to die. Yep. <laughs> Are we going to die? Yep. <laughs> Is it working? Ask me questions that I normally would lie to. Are we going to die? Yep. I'd say it's working. They're going to shoot us in the head, or they're going to torture us to death. Okay. Or they're going to leave us here in the bomb. Harry! Yeah, and then he's still on the truth serum, so he does. He tells the guy exactly how he's gonna kill him. Yep. And that I also love, you know, my handcuffs. I picked them. Yes. Ah, I love that yeah. line. Yeah. Yeah. So we we get to we see a little bit of the celebration. Mm-hmm. 
And then they discover that he's escaped, and we have a bit of a firefight. Yep. And then they manage to sneak sneak in as they're arming the nuclear warhead, putting an American flag on it, and putting it in concrete for some reason. Yep. I'm not quite sure why any of that was done. Like, what was what's with the flag and then the concrete? Well, I don't know about the flag. I'm sure, I guess the concrete is just that you can't disarm it. I guess? Because, I mean, they're, they're trying to show, like, we really do have nuclear weapons and we're going to blow them up and all this stuff. And I guess, you know, that's a, a good way of showing it. I mean, if I only had four, I guess I probably wouldn't waste one of them. Right. All right, so we... We get we get a scene where Harry's in trouble, so he asks Helen to shoot. Uh huh. And she starts shooting, and then drops the gun. And this is the probably one of the most famous scenes in the movie. Is oh where yeah. The gun falls down the stairs and continues to shoot. So like in real life, that like guns don't actually shoot when you drop them. Nope. In fact, that's um. There have been more cases of people who have accidentally shot themselves trying to catch their gun to prevent it from shooting when they drop it than from guns actually shooting when they drop. Yeah, because I mean, for safe, I mean, that's just not how they mechanically work. Right, but it's a cool scene. Yeah, but yes, but the but they do get away with the nuclear weapon, so they have to chase them down. Mm-hmm. And she thinks Harry's dead at this point. Oh, oh yeah. We also have the we have the flamethrowers. Yeah, thing, the flamethrower sure how... gas tank thing. Yeah, I'm not sure how well that. I, I'm pretty sure that would have just like followed the, just blown up the gas tank. Yeah, but it looks cool. And I like you know when he dives into the water and you see the flames go over the surface of the water and stuff. Yes, that's a cool scene. Yeah, and Helen meanwhile is captured again. So I have a question about the timing of all this. Mm-hmm. So, it's it seems like it's nighttime when they're on this island. Yeah, in the but Keys. then it's broad daylight. Well, and then they set a timer for ninety minutes. Yep. Um, Arnold. Is we do see the sun rising. Arnold is picked up at dawn, and then a few minutes later, it's daytime. And Gibbs yep. says there's thirty four minutes left, so it's been less than an hour. The sun rises very quickly. In the it must. <laughs> Actually, it does. Does it? Okay. Because it's down yeah. near the equator. Yeah. So I, I started to say that as a joke, but then I'm like, actually, no, it really does. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, when you, the closer you are to the equator, the less sunrise and sunset you have. Right. Because it's not a, as much of an angle. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure if you could go that whole way in less than an hour. But eh, anyway. I don't know. I I have not spent that much time in Florida. And the time I have spent in Florida, I was asleep when the sun was rising. <laughs> we get a few shots of your favorite thing here, what looks like a rear projection. Yes. I like the guy shooting the shooting the RPG backwards. Or actually I'm not sure. No, he doesn't shoot it backwards, it's just the 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 flash of it oh, hits the right, guy and okay. throws him through the front windshield. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah I like that 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 part. Yeah. And the driver, like, it almost looks like the driver swerved to run over him. Kind of. Like, why would you do that? I don't know. <laughs> I like when they say it blew up the bridge, and they're like, those missiles won't set off the nukes, will they? And he's like, negative, and then he's like, well, I don't know. But even if they do, that's still better than the nukes going somewhere where there's people. Yeah. I also find it interesting that you'd think these, you know... 
Harrier pilots would be trained for this sort of thing. Well, not maybe this exact situation, but like, and would fire their um, missiles a little farther in front of the vehicles? Maybe. Because all but one of them hit behind it. Yep. But then you get that, you get a reprise of the scene from, um, you only, or, uh, from Free Your Eyes Only. Yes. Where the truck is, like, balanced on the thing, and then the bird lands on it, and then that's what tips it over. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Although, I don't know why the windshield shatters as it starts to fall. Eh. Yeah. And it probably wouldn't have actually exploded after no, that. No, cars like, don't very... Sh- cars don't blow up when they fall off a And cliff. it didn't fall all that far, either, no. so it wouldn't even no. have been going very fast. Yeah. But, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Tia Carrera and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis get into a fight, and they shoot the driver by accident. All right, as what so always this happens. This is a movie trope. Yep, that happens in so many movies, and I never really considered it until just now. But like, when you drive a car, you have to put pressure on that gas pedal. Mm-hmm. When you're driving a car, you're sitting in the seat. The weight of your body is not on your feet. You have to consciously put pressure on the foot on the gas pedal. I'm pretty sure that if you died at the wheel, <laughs> you wouldn't actually be putting any pressure on that gas pedal. I think you're right. Like, and I, I realize that like this happens in so many it, movies. It really does, yeah. But like, it never occurred to me that that probably isn't how it actually works until just this time. But yeah, like I'm pretty sure if you died, like you would let your your foot would would just let off the gas because the weight of your body is going to be in the in on the your seat, butt, not right? on your, yeah. 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 No, I think you're right. I mean, the car would still move for a while, but it wouldn't mm-hmm. keep going forever. But then we wouldn't get this really awesome stunt here. That's true. The bridge is out. What? The bridge is out. What? The bridge is out. <laughs> yeah. And apparently, Jamie Lee Curtis really did this. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Because that is a great shot of her coming out of the car right as it goes over the edge. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you'd think this was the end of the movie. No, but then you have a whole other scene with the Harriers. Mm -hmm. Because you got to rescue the daughter from the top of a crane. Yep. I mean, it works. Yeah. I guess. It reminds me a little bit, at least in terms of the rise and fall of the movie, of... um, speed where you have all the stuff with the bus and then it's like oh yeah now we're on a subway car for the last well, 10 okay. minutes of the movie so actually if you think about it it does work because he's he's stopped the main thing mm-hmm. and now he has to go after the bad guy and like half sure. of the roger moore movies ended that way that's true where the bad guy gets away yeah like think octopussy i'd rather not <laughs> yeah, Octopussy is the big example I can think of. But one of the other ones did, too. Well, like in um, The Spy Who Loved Me, when they blow up the tanker thing, and then he has to go back to the yeah the weird like water lair to, to get Stromberg. Yes, that's what I was thinking. You're right, yeah. And then, obviously, and Octopussy, where he has to go back to India. Yep. Because <laughs> so, Louis I mean, Jordan escaped. So it, it does work a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy the, you know, can, can you fly a Harrier scene? And then when he, like, crushes a police car. That was yeah, pretty fun. Yeah, It's a trademark Harry Tasker takeoff. And I, I like how Dana stole the key to save the world. That yep, was cool. That was cool. She gets to do a little bit of active stuff here. Mm-hmm. And 
obviously then the final part where oh, with, yeah. with Art Malik on the on the plane and then when he falls and is hanging off the missile and he says you're fired. Yep. Yeah. Great line. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. And this is pre-apprentice too, so yeah, that 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 phrase hadn't been tainted yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> I also enjoy when the when the terrorist is using the binoculars to look out the window and the Harrier just shows up in front of him. And, <laughs> and it's just like adjust. Arnold's face, like, up close. Yeah. Yeah. And then that we get the little point. code of the movie, which I like. Oh, yeah. It's a nice callback to everything, mm-hmm. basically. They get... Now we find out that Harry and Helen are working missions together. Yep. And they dance the tango. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Simon is they... there. Yep. Then they make him pee his pants. Yeah. And she goes, she pretends like she's going to shoot him with her lipstick under his chin. <laughs> yeah, I love how Simon is... Th- so, Simon, like, he really goes all in on these things. He really does, yeah. Like, I mean, not I'm not really respecting his, you know... No. All the effort he puts into, but, like, I'm kind of respecting the effort he puts into. <laughs> <laughs> if only he challenged, channeled that effort for good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like the, the tango music starts up, and they're like, oh, no, tango... <laughs> oh shit, here we go. And this might be, I mean, it's not the first time, obviously, but this is one of the first times I remember there being like a mid credit shot. Ah, the I've been in the van for 15 years? Yes. <laughs> well, I like how, you know, they're dancing and the credits are going and all you get is Tom Arnold, like, Harry, Harry, don't ignore me, Harry, that's rude. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and then that last little bit with him, like, you know what? I'm sick of being in the van. You guys are going to be in the van next time. I've been in the van for 15 years, Harry. <laughs> All right. Yeah, this is a pretty decent... Yeah. This is a much better parody of James Bond than the movie we saw last week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know what to, a I don't know what to call last week's thing, but I don't know if I'd call that a movie. Yeah, this is just one of those movies that's fun. And mm-hmm. I will happily watch it anytime I find it on TV somewhere. Or yep. it's back when James Cameron just made fun movies. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, The Abyss wasn't fun. Well, it wasn't. Nah, that's true. It wasn't a fun <laughs> movie, but it's it was a well done movie. And I know Titanic gets some flack, but I I think it's a decent movie. I think it's a decent movie that, for whatever reason, was made into an capital important important movie, which it really isn't. Yeah, that's fair. And that was such a good year for movies, and the fact that it won the Oscar just blows my mind. Yes. Because I think every other movie that was up for the award that year was better. But They're making four Avatar sequels? What? Yeah. yeah. Well. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, Avatar was fine. It was... I, I you want to talk about a movie that got blown up into being way more important than it really is. Yeah. Avatar was fine. Uh, it was okay, an okay movie. It did it did use 3D very well. Yes, uh, and I will till the end of my days defend 3D as a legitimate film choice that should not have died the slow disappearing death that it did. Mm-hmm. I, I I think 3D worked was really well, but I think the problem is that they never made they, they, there wasn't a home format that that existed that you couldn't do without paying for glasses. Sure. 
And you were never going to get people to do that. I mean, I did, but most yeah. people. <laughs> My big problem with 3D was when it became this thing where studios and movie theaters realized we can upcharge for 3D movies. So mm-hmm. let's take a 2D movie and convert it into 3D to do that. Yes. Like, Avatar was made to be in 3D. Mm-hmm. And it shows. It, it works. But, like, when they did, like, what was it, one of the, at least one of the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies, and they just up converted, converted it from 2D uh, to 3D. They converted into darkness. They actually filmed beyond for 3D. Okay. So, yeah, it was into darkness that they're like, well, let's turn it into 3D so we can make more money. Like, no. Come on. Uh, and they've and some of the old movies that they've re-released in 3D... Actually, okay, Jurassic Park in 3D actually looked pretty good. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, um... And there are there are definitely there are movies where three D doesn't matter, but there's movies where it looks really good. Uh, like, did did you see Gravity in three D? No, um, but I kind of wish I had because I bet that one was really good. Yeah, it looked fantastic. Yeah, I in bet. 3D. Yeah, but this movie was not in three D. No, it was <laughs> definitely not in three D. Nor should it have been uh, really. <laughs> the Abyss would have been okay in three D, maybe. But... The Abyss. I'm just kind of surprised James Cameron didn't release the Abyss in three D. Yeah. Give them aliens would look good in 3D. Well, aliens would look good. Period. True. Another really good James Cameron movie. Yes. And I, I like his two Terminators too. So. Okay, James Cameron's first movie was Piranha 2: The Spawning. Yes. <laughs> I did not know. Oh, that. okay. Yeah. No, he's he got to start doing Roger Corman movies. Nice. And I, from what I understand, he he was supposed to be the. An art director or the video the effects guy for that movie and then they fired the director so he took over well he went straight from that to the terminator so well and i mean the terminator was like a movie he made on the back of the sh- yeah you know like the original terminator <laughs> became a cult classic yeah. it was certainly not a high budget movie no <laughs> unlike the second one where they just threw up it was like the first hundred million dollar movie i think and the only time when they... No, this was the first $100 million movie. Oh, True Lies was. Okay. Yes. Uh, but Terminator 2 was the only instance in that franchise where throwing more money at it made a, made a better movie. That's true. Because none of the films since then have been even close no. to as good. Uh, I thought the most recent one, Dark Fate, was decent. Yeah. But not, and certainly better than Terminator 3 or uh, Salvation. Or, or Genesis. I haven't actually not seen Genesis, uh, and I'm okay with you're that. You're not missing it. No. <laughs> and I know it's early days in CGI. I still think the T-1000 holds up. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Although part of me still prefers the first one because it's low budget. And I like them for different... Yeah. In- in much the w- same way that I like all three of the first three Alien movies, and mm-hmm. like to pretend there aren't anymore, uh, <laughs> they are all very. All three of them are different movies. Yes, and I, the same way is true for Terminator One and Terminator Two. They, while yes, they have the same characters, they are not in any way similar movies. No, I mean, Terminator One is really more of a horror movie, mm-hmm. much like Alien was, mm-hmm. in, in some ways, where you know. Even to the point of you know we we killed the we killed the villain oh no we didn't kill the villain thing yep. coming back uh, you know he's almost a uh, Michael Myers kind of figure mm-hmm. uh, and yeah and T two is just damn good action movie 
Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, I don't think we can try to com- try to come up with a reason why T two <laughs> would be a Bond parody, though. No, alas. <laughs> Although while watching while watching this one, I was thinking maybe we should do the Mission Impossible movies. I think we talked about that at one point. We could we should do that. I would absolutely watch this because again, right. they're very different. Yeah, and most of them are good. Mm-hmm. That second one. Maybe we can skip the so second much. one. <laughs> It, there's a weird thing to me, especially early on in the series, like through the first, well, I guess it really only holds up for the second one. It's like the the quality of the movies is analogous to the quality of his hair. <laughs> but Well, it's also, that's a franchise where the first movie is drastically different oh, from yeah. the rest of the series. Like the first, first Mission Impossible was a very good movie, but it is not in any way the same kind of movie as the rest of the movies. And again, I'm, I'm just skipping two entirely. It's also yep. not like them, but it's also not good. But like three and later are all part of, are all clearly connected and part of the same series. Mm-hmm. But they're basically not related to the first one. No, but I mean, the first one is establishing a new universe where Tom Cruise is the big, is the guy. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to, we, you know, it's a, it's a movie based on Mission Impossible, so we're going to do a Mission Impossible team, but then we're going to kill everybody. So it's all about Tom Cruise. Right, and then they... But I, I what I like about the later movies is that, they, that he has a team now. Yeah, and they keep coming back. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, Ving Rhames is in all pretty much all of them. Yes. Yeah, and then you get Simon Pegg and all And Simon Pegg, yeah. starting with the third one, yep. is in all mm-hmm. of them after that. Yeah. Yep. No, I could find... I'm sure we can find an excuse to do those. They're, they're uh, you know, spy movies. They're, yeah, they're adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> they're James Bond adjacent. <laughs> when was the first Mission Impossible? Uh, I want to say late 90s. Eh, yeah, mid to late 90s. 96. Oh, okay. Okay, so we're still yep. on, uh, we're still on Our Man Bashir next week. Yep. Yeah, so next week we're going to do the combiner the two things we like we talk about the most on these in this show uh, <laughs> the the star trek james bond episode which yes. they then couldn't do again because they almost got sued i think yeah i think they did get sued just like with the sherlock holmes stories yes they could do a sherlock holmes story now though they could now i think he's public domain right most of sherlock holmes is public yeah. domain now I think there are some stories that are not, but yes, most of it. Which is why there have been so many different Sherlock Holmes things over the years. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking forward to the to the third Guy Ritchie movie, though. I really enjoyed the Oh, I didn't two. know they were doing one. Mm-hmm. Ah. I, I like the first two a lot. Yeah. It was another example of a movie that was like, this is going to be terrible, and then it wasn't. <laughs> and I was pleasantly surprised. All right. Well, thank you for listening to us this week. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at Podspiel. Or you can send us an email at spielpodcast at gmail.com. And then you can also find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. And you can find me on Twitter at Listening to Film. So yeah, next week uh, we go off to the 24th century and look at what happens when you mix a computer problem with a holodeck spy simulation. I'm looking forward to it. Hijinks ensue. My dear Carl, I do believe there's hope for you yet. (laughs) 